What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Parisi Podcast. This is Casey Lee, Parisi's Director of Education and Coaching, and I have a very special podcast episode. I've recorded our Coaches Conversation. So every week we run a Parisi Network Coaches Conversation. Typically, we do it through our Facebook group, but this past week we recorded it through Zoom. Uh, We had six amazing guests join us uh, from our different Parisi affiliates. I'll let them introduce themselves when they get going here in the pod. Uh, We talk about a lot of hindsight questions, so what we would tell ourselves when we first started coaching. We talk about what we are focused on right now in our modern day coaching, and then we look into the future and talk about what excites us most in sports performance. It's a really cool episode. I think it's something we're going to keep doing um, as we release different podcasts with guests and interviews with friends of the Parisi Network. We're also going to be hearing from the network a little bit more and talking to some of our coaches that are in the trenches that are, are really doing the thing, right? They're really doing the performance coaching that Parisi puts out there. So I'm really excited for this format. I'm excited for it to take off. But before we get started, I wanted to cover a couple different things. The first thing, Bill Parisi, our guy, the guy, the Parisi behind the Parisi, he has his new book, The Anatomy of Speed, coming out in early October. It is available now for pre-order on Amazon. It's really cool. Human Kinetics is the publisher behind it. Bill Parisi, literally 30 years in the industry as a speed performance coach, writing the book on speed. Um, there's some amazing testimonials from coaches in there. Um, an amazing forward written as well. It's one of those books that even if you've been coaching sports performance or you're new to sports performance, you're going to pull some nuggets out of there and it's going to be a really good informative book to either validate what you've been doing or to pick up some new tips, some new science on speed training to improve your current coaching practices. So make sure, go check that out. It's on Amazon. I think we've all heard of Amazon at this point. There is a link in the show notes as well. It is available for pre-order as that book drops in early October. The second thing you heard this mentioned a couple times in the podcast is Parisi does have a mentorship program. Our fall mentorship has started, but we're always taking applicants. We have an applicant pool for the spring semester because we do cap the enrollment. We only let in 50 coaches um, and that's combined through the Parisi network as well as externally. So um, if you're listening to this and you're in the Parisi network, you should apply. And if you're listening to this and you're not in the Parisi network, you should also apply. Um, And regardless of who you are, you should go check out Amazon and uh, pre-order Bill Parisi's new book coming out, The Anatomy of Speed. Links for all of that can be found in the show notes. Now, without further ado, the group chat podcast of the Parisi podcast, it's up. Here we go on the other side of the news. Welcome to an episode of the Parisi podcast that is super unique, a little different than what we've done in the past. So I'll be your host today. I'm Casey Lee. I work with the Parisi corporate team as their director of education. You've been listening to the sultry voice of Steve Leo in past episodes. Steve may join us today. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to get on, um, but I've got a crew with me today, a crew with me today. Um, I'm super excited. We've got our first group chat roundtable style discussion here that we're going to run through. So I've got a a nice list of questions that um, I'm going to run through some attendance here so people listening know who they're talking to. But this is a super unique episode because it's our Parisi network joining to share some perspective on coaching, right? It's the Parisi performance podcast. And that's what we're here to talk about. So 
Um, we've got Chris Armel out of our Parisi affiliate in Virginia. We've got Jason Davidson out of one of our affiliates in Ohio. We've got Josh Bus Bushke uh, and Coach T, Tabitha, I'm sorry, I don't know your last name, uh, representing out of Sinking Springs in Pennsylvania. Paul David representing Parisi on the West Coast in San Diego. Uh, Tim Cook representing uh, from the Newtown Athletic Club in Pennsylvania and Jordan Ailes representing from the Northeast up in our Parisi affiliate in Vermont. Um, how's that for introductions, everyone? We doing all right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first one. So maybe it'll get better. I'm not, I'm not sure. Or it's, or, uh, you know, Bill, Carol, whoever on the corporate team will listen to this and say, Casey, never do it again. But uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to fire up our first question here. The first question and, and the theme of this podcast and this group chat is past present and future. Um, and the first question is something that I find myself kind of going back to, and it's kind of the cliche, right? We've all been in the industry now for some time. And it's always this, this concept of, man, I wish I had known this way back when, or man, I wish I could go back and tell myself this on my first day. And I think that that's a great question to start when we talk about our coaching past is what would we say to ourselves, our, our younger selves, on the first day when we started coaching. And I'm gonna go in order here of my little boxes on the other side of the Zoom screen. So Chris Armel, my guy down here on the, on the East Coast, what would you say to yourself when you started coaching however many years, days, months ago that might be? Uh, I wrote, uh, I kind of reflected on a little bit was, I wrote kids match your energy. So have energy, bring it every day, but do the things to rest your body and take care of yourself so that you can maintain that energy to have a career, not just a job. That's a good one, man. That's a good one to unpack there. Like, you know, the energy that you bring, cause it's real easy when you work with kids to send it and then send it and send it. And then one month, six months, one year in, you're like, oh my gosh, like I'm done. Like I've had to do this every day. What are some things that you do to take care of yourself? Cause I like the back half of that, you know, things that you can do to take care of yourself. What do you do to help take care of yourself to recharge? Uh, set time aside. Set time aside myself to lift and protect it. Um, people are going to want to train at those times. It, anytime you set aside for yourself are the times people are going to want. Like always, all the time. Um, and then also, uh, you know, once a quarter, taking at least a week off for at least an extended weekend, um, and leaving my phone at home. Uh, so disconnecting from the entire world for at least a week or a week or extended weekend and spending time with the wife, the dogs, um, and just dis disconnecting. So that, and usually those are the times where a lot of ideas hit me or different things that I've not given myself the time to think on or take care of in, in the past. I like that one, man, protect it because it's very easy to give yourself that time, have it last a couple of days. And then all of a sudden it's gone. It's gone forever. Um, Jason Davidson, what do you do? Well, I'm sorry. What would you say to yourself, uh, you know, once upon a time ago on your first day on the job? Um, you know, training every client, I guess, differently. You know, I, I think when I first started, it was like, you know, you were full tilt with every group you train, individual you trained. And, you know, not everybody's going to the Olympics, I guess. You know, some of the intensity you train, some, some people want to be trained hard, you know, to where a point where, you know, you're in a verge of throwing up and, and some don't you want, and, you know, being a private industry, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to run people off. 
you know, you want, you want to keep that money flowing, you know, I've got, you understand what I'm saying they're the intensity you train people at is, uh, you know, some want to be trained hard and some, some want to, don't want to train quite that hard, I guess is what I'm trying to say. You know, and it depends on the group too, of your age and, you know, what they're trying to accomplish. You know, if you have a bunch of younger kids and you push them really hard, they may not come back, you know? Knowing your clients. I mean, that's, that, that is, yeah. you know, when people talk about the art of an insert anything there, I think when it comes to training, we learn from a textbook, we learn from our own training experience, but it's really the exposure to our clients and getting to ask the right questions and knowing what they want, how they want to be trained is, is probably priority one, right? Where I know for me, at least when I first started coaching, it was, it was, a, we're just going to do something. And if it's hard, you'll think it's good. And that probably is not the right mentality for anyone at any time, right? Right. right. That's a good one. Yeah, you want them to come back. You don't want to run them off. So. <laughs> yeah. If you, yeah. If they only train for a day, you're not very good at what you've got going on. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Bushke, my dude, you can't see this people on the other side of the screen, but Josh is one of the best head of the hair that I've, I've ever witnessed. Uh, Josh, what would you tell yourself on day one? Day one, I would say continue to attack those CEUs, those continuing education. I think that's something that helped me a lot when I first started, but something to change, I would say, make more time for yourself for that self-care. I think it's really easy to get overwhelmed and definitely work like 24 seven. And that's when you kind of get people burned out, which kind of we touched about in the that last call we had. and. I think for sure having that self-time, like what the gentleman said earlier, um, take care of yourself and make sure that it's a balanced routine. That's huge, man. The, the learning never stops. But at the same time, if you are always trying to get to the next thing, it's so easy to just be too invested. And I, and I would never, going back, I, I would say that it's probably pretty hard to get too invested, right? When I was in the first 10 years of my career, now I'm kind of entering the second decade of coaching you absolutely can be too invested and remove yourself from boundaries that are in place that kind of protect you from, from going too far, the pendulum swinging too far in one way. And it's always a pendulum, right? Where you're super motivated and then you're unmotivated and you're motivated, you're unmotivated, but having those barriers set in place and those boundaries, um, similar to what Chris said, like protecting the time for yourself. Um, it's one thing to put the boundary in place. It's another thing to enforce it. I, I really think that's a good point. I'm glad that that's becoming a reoccurring theme here. Um, you know, a couple conversations in. Tim Cook, on day one, the first day of your coaching career, what would you say to yourself? Um, I would make sure that I celebrated the little victories just as big as I did the big victories. So, that's like, good. what I mean by that is, is um, I've always been somebody, if you accomplish something and it was supposed to be accomplished, it was almost like taken for granted and then celebrated these awesome things, whether somebody makes a varsity team and they were a freshman or something like that, but it doesn't have to be that way. You know, it should be if you're training a freshman and they make the freshman team, that's awesome, even though it might be expected, but it's still awesome. It's still a goal. It's still something that they achieved. Um, and then it could also be the same way with general population people or whatever. But for me, that's something that I lost track of um, and kind of was just like, yeah, you know, this was expected 
and now we can move on and let's do bigger and better things. But like the little things add up to equal big things. And it's awesome for people when they see it and they're like, this is so great. You know, I can't believe I just did that. It's so, so funny how, you know, it's like the, the cool factor, right? Like the cool kid factor where it's like, yeah, of course you made that team. Like, yeah, duh. Like you worked your butt off, you've made it. And it's so funny how dismissive that is. Right. And I guess funny, like in an ironic way, like, why why that that's sick like we should absolutely celebrate that i think that is that's a really good point that's something that i've i feel like i do that with i think it's important for coaches to acknowledge that in themselves right like performance coaching personal training whoever's listening to this like you aspire to have a whole book of business and we all want it instantly but if there's a month where you you add you know you come out with a net ad of one client like you got better that month, like your business is that much better. And that should be celebrated. Like you should be damn proud of that. Um, you know, so as much as I say, we should do that with our clients. Like, I feel like us as professionals as well, those small victories will remind us why we do this and why we're in this industry year over year, decade over decade. And, and that's a really good one, Tim. I, I would just say that I think if it's extrapolated to coaches as well, like super important. Yeah. Jordan Ailes. On day one, you graduate SUNY Plattsburgh alum in the house. What's up? No big deal. Best institution in America. Um, you graduate your undergrad. You walk across the stage. What do you tell yourself as you're about to embark in this journey in the fitness industry? Um, I would say to focus less on exercise science and just keep it engaging and fun for the kids. Um, a lot of times, athletes are just there to get better and to have fun. Whereas like coaches sometimes can nerd out about all the things that they just learned. Um, so just to kind of keep it simple for them and to know your audience and to see when, you know, they're, they're just there to train. The smart people make it simple. That's hands down. The smartest people can make it simple. Paul David, my spirit animal, Paul David. What um, would you say? And I, I'm really, I, I'm not that everyone else is going to answer, but Paul, this is something that I feel like you're going to hit us with, with some perspective that came out of left field. What would you, cause you have a, an extensive background in the fitness industry from a lot of different areas, right? From the business, the coaching side, like a lot of different areas. What would you tell yourself day one of becoming a performance coach? Well, way to set me up like that. It's a huge setup, Paul, huge setup. I'm going to go bigger as each question goes on. I'm just going to go bigger. Well, I would look for mentors. I would look for opportunities for me to shadow coaches. You know, like what's been already shared, there's just so much about the art of coaching that we have so many blind spots on. I think day one, I show up with a lot of X's and O's. I show up with a lot of theory, but in reality, um, kids, athletes, they want to know that you can connect with them. There's kids that might be coming in that just had a tough week in a competition. There might be kids that are brand new to this and they're nervous. And so I don't want to have to take time to get to know all that. I feel like my learning curve can really be expedited. If I was working with another coach, if I was shadowing another coach, if I was part of a mentorship. Um, so I would look for opportunities like that. God, that's a really good one because that right there. So I had this, I had this question. This because so in this coaching call um, last week, we were talking about um, a lot of hindsight questions, but 
one in particular was a young man who I used to train who's made a second career in the industry. And, um, you know, like one thing that gets so overlooked on the continuing education side is finding people who have done it at a high level and to go bring them donuts and coffee and just sit in their facility for four hours on a Saturday morning and just watch it right? And going and finding those mentors, it's so critical for perspective, for education, and having just, I don't want to say a catch-all, but just someone you can bounce ideas off of when you're frustrated, when you're in a low point, or even when you're in a high point, and you can and lean on someone. That is some rock-solid advice. And if you're a new coach in the industry, a new personal trainer, or even if you're someone not in the fitness industry and you somehow come across this podcast, that advice holds true in any, any regard. That By is, the way, a little shameless plug, but Parisi mentorship. It does. I heard the guy who runs it's a bum though. Ha. Huh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I think that, you know, even with the, the Parisi mentorship, a big piece of it is the connections of the people in the mentorship. It's not necessarily like coming to Parisi as the, the, the mentor. It's, hey, here's a bunch of like-minded individuals that are high achievers in their industry because they're in something like this. And, you know, it's, it's even in a way of like, you know, BNI groups or business networking groups. Like if you can just find other high achievers, high other high performers in their industry, even if it's not sports performance, you're going to get some serious, valuable perspective. Um, and I always, you know, one thing that in one of a mentor of mine, isn't actually like someone in fitness is, um, a gentleman who's, I train his, um, boys, his sons, but, um, he's been in the restaurant business for over 30 years. Like, talk to me about how you've managed to have successful restaurants, plural, how you've scaled your business, how you've been successful in a service-based industry. Like, you'll learn a lot of really good key little nuggets just by talking to people in similar concept business, but not even like another personal trainer who's successful. Like, talk to someone who's cut, like my mom is a hairdresser of 40 years. Like, one of my greatest conversations from my career has ever been talking with her, you know, so just different things there, but Paul, you're spot on with finding mentors. I think that that's so critical, so critical. Okay. So we're going to bring it back. Question number two. Now I'm coming back up to you, Chris Armel question number two in the present day, what are you the most aware of, or at least more aware of in coaching your athletes? And I say athletes, like it can be any, it can be coaching yourself, coaching your athletes, coaching gen pop, but just in your coaching practices in general today, September 16th, 3.26 PM Eastern time. What are you more or at least uh, are most aware of, or at least more aware of in your own coaching practices? I'm definitely more aware of athletes and people's body language and how they come in and their mindset into the session in the very beginning and focusing more diving really deep into their warm up so that in the first 10 minutes, I see whether this is going to be a good session or we're going to have to dial stuff back because they're just not there or, and then that's when you find out stuff's going on in their lives or that kind of stuff. So definitely just more attuned to um, social cues than, than I was before. I like that. The social cues of it, whether it's the individual one-on-one -on -one, individual in the group, you know, like it really does become an important factor for us as coaches to recognize changes um, you know, obviously with like mental health being more of a front burner topic in our athletes. Um, but even, even if it's just little blips in the radar, right? Like 
someone's tired, it's making sure that we can modify their training so that we're not beating them to a pulp. And it's just being more, more aware of, of the surrounding. It's a really good one, Chris. Uh, Jason Davidson, today in your coaching practice, what are you more aware of than you were in a previous version of yourself? You got the mute button on, Jason. You got the mute button on. There it is, guy. Kind of similar. He said, um, you know, being able to make um, changes in the workout, you know, to see, you see, this isn't working or these kids aren't, they aren't getting this movement. Let's do something more basic. Or if they are getting the movement, you know, making it more advanced, you know, keep it inter keeping it interesting too, I guess, from that standpoint, you want to keep changing up the, the, the movements as you go through them exercises are language and you got to make sure you speak it in a way that they understand yes. absolutely josh bushke coach t what you got what are you more aware of today well i'm trying to think of it how to apply it to coaching our athletes but i think i'm kind of applying it to just running like like how we run our prezi programming and stuff yep and what that is is just I think utilizing the network of Parisi. Um, you know, when I first kind of started off, we were kind of isolated and not that the resources weren't there. I was just kind of trying to be Hercules and do everything on my own, but like utilizing other Parisi's like, hey, how do you run your jumpstart program or like stuff like that as far as like utilizing the connections in the Parisi network. So I think I'm a more aware of the resources that we have in our program. I like that. I like that. It goes into what Paul said about question one, too. That's the, the value of having mentors, colleagues, peers, just people you can lean on because very rarely, especially in fitness, like you don't need to reinvent the wheel. There's there's been people, industry, like businesses that have done it decades that why not pick up the phone, make a connection, ask some questions. And I will say the fitness industry uh, no one has ever said no to me, right? Like if ever I pick up the phone and Josh, I'm sure I don't know if you've ever found this with our network. Like if you reach out, people always want to help. It might be a, a, fine, uh, a matter of like finding time in each other's schedules to connect, but uh, you know, we're, we're service-based industry. Like we all got into this industry to help people and to be able to help each other, I think is one of the greatest things that we do here, um, you know, as, as a network, especially, you know, Towning Parisi again there. Tim Cook. Today, what are you most aware of or more aware of in your coaching practices? I'm going to echo the body language um, comment at first as well. Like for me, with everything that's gone on, say the last 18 months, even two, three years or whatever, like I've noticed that kids are more willing and open to sharing their feelings and stuff of everything that's going on. But you have to have that relationship with them before for them to open the door for you. And I think that's one thing um, for me that's made a huge impact on their lives, which ultimately is the goal for all of us is to help everyone uh, become a better version of themselves. So uh, I'm just more in tune with their personalities and their body awareness and their like, you know, social cues as they come in through the door. Willing to be there to help and be a lending ear or a helping shoulder or whatever for them to, you know, be there for. Huge. You know, it, I don't know if I would have really believed this, you know, on the, on the outside, when I first jumped into personal training, performance coaching, like I thought it was more like you're a gym teacher, like you're a glorified gym teacher, go out there, run through some activities, throw some, you know, weights at them and the interpersonal connections that you have, or you have the opportunity to at least create, if you, if you're doing it well, it's, 
it's probably more prevalent now than at any other part in my career. Like you're saying with, with COVID and in the last 18 months and these kids' lives just complete, like it's the hardest thing they've ever had to face, right? Like as far as like these kids' schedules and what they've known and what their routine are and what they're used to, like to flip it upside down, it's probably the roughest part of their life. And it's, it's a great that we can be that outlet if you're aware of it. Yeah, and I also think that the stuff that we do probably doesn't just affect them now through their high school years or their college years or whatever. But like, if we can make that connection and help them into their future when they're in their twenties and thirties and stuff like that, and they can look back and be like, Oh, this helped or that helped, or I learned this little thing, or there was this little quote that coach Tim gave me, like all that stuff for me is like what adds up to everything. So like, just kind of reiterate everything that we were just talking about. Like we, we can make a huge impact on people's lives, um, not just in the short term, but in the long term. Yeah, man, absolutely. Jordan Ailes, today, what are you most or more aware of in your coaching practice? Um, I try to be more aware of what else they have going on in life, kind of to piggyback on um, like the life stressors and the body language and everything, but knowing what other sports they have, not only so that you can kind of scale how much intensity you're pushing at them at one time, um, but also, you know, if you that they have a game coming up, just wishing them good luck or keeping in touch to see how their season's going. Um, I think that really builds that personal aspect as well. You know, I don't think, so this is something that I, actually, no, I'm going to save this comment for the end because this is something that I, I want to highlight to everyone. Um, I'm going to save it for the end, but yes, um, you know, we're not the only thing in these kids' lives, no matter how important we think we are, right? That's a good point, Jordan. Uh, Paul David, the infamous Paul, no, I got to get the intro. The infamous Paul David, the great Paul David of the West Coast. If you are in the San Diego area or Tijuana area, drive north of the border if you're in Tijuana. Um, the Priest Podcast may be international, I'm not sure. Go to San Diego, look for the taco shop across the street. I couldn't tell you what it's called, but it's delicious. And then look for the outdoor turf, Miramar, Top Gun City. Paul David, what are you more aware of in your coaching practice today? I would say time management first. The biggest mistake that I find that coaches make is they show up at the very last minute maybe, or they don't take this as seriously as they should. And so when you show up early, and I know that sounds so basic, but when you show up early, you know what the template is, you know what the program is, but you don't miss a chance to connect with the kids, with the athletes as they're walking in. You've got a opening routine that you can connect with them. Otherwise, if you're last minute, you're going to miss all that. So I would feel like that would be number one. Number two, I think going back to what Tim was saying um, in regards to making a lifelong impression, if we went around for all of us that play sports, and if I asked everybody, hey, name a coach that left a really bad impression. Name a coach that made you hate the game, that made you not want to show up for practice. You could name somebody. And the flip of that, if I said, name a coach that made you love the game, somebody that made you feel like, man, I cannot wait to go in today. You know, that's this exact same role that we, we play today. We make lifelong impressions. And um, if we show up last minute, if we don't treat the template with respect, um, if we don't know our product well, if we don't know our athlete well, like all that doesn't matter if we're not on time and prepared, then you're going to have a hard time that all you're doing is just simply punching and punching out. Coaching is an art. 
And um, we are constantly finding ways to go beyond the template, right? Like we have a template, but, but it's not just science, it's an art. Um, so I would go with that. I really like that one. And I, one thought that I've noticed, and I'm sure Paul, with the coaches you've worked with, you've found this too. The coaches that are always last minute live their whole life like that. Like mm -hmm. every aspect of their life is last minute. It's rushed. It's never focused. They're not going just that little. And it's not like you have to go so far above and beyond that. It's this big grandiose thing. It's like, you just have to just, there's the baseline and then there's plus one, right? Like yep. there's just doing the bare minimum. And then there's that little plus one effort and that little plus one effort. If you can do that consistently, God, you are, you'd be an unstoppable machine. You know, yeah. like people think it's got to be this amazing, grandiose aspect. It's like, no, nah, you just, there's the bare minimum, there's plus one. That's all you got to do. And if you can do that, a lot of times the high achievers, they typically do that in a lot of areas of their life. But those that tend to be the frazzled, just barely making it, you know, showing up, they're there, but they're not really there. They tend to live other aspects of their life like that. And then they don't, they don't ever last. And, you know, if you take a look at different levels of sport, you know, let's say from if, if you were signed up for a club team or you sign up for high school or then you're playing football at college, it seems like the higher up you go, the coaches are just that much more better prepared. Yeah. And so why, why am I not treating that with the same level of respect? I and think a lot of times if I'm, I was if just going to say oh, seven-year-old. Now I'm the guy talking over everyone. <laughs> I don't think it uh, matters if I'm coaching a seven-year-old, if I'm coaching an 18-year-old. Like they each have their own uh, very unique circumstances, but um, I can't address that if I'm last minute, if I'm not well prepared. So that's that's something I feel like I that I need to be tuned in on and laser focused on. What I wanted to add to that, Paul, it's almost like people think it's an inverse effect, right? Like you mentioned, like the coaches at the top in, in professional sports and college sports, like they typically just tend to be one more step prepared than the next level. But I've, I find, and I, I'm sure you find this too, that the younger athletes, the seven, eight, nine-year-olds, they demand the coach be the most prepared. Like mm -hmm. they require it, they want it. And they're the ones that will call you out in a heartbeat if you are anything but prepared. But, yep. you know, from the coach, they're like, oh, they're seven, it's fine. Like, no, the seven-year-olds know, they know. And if you're not bringing it, they're going to let you know. Whereas like a, uh, maybe a more internally motivated uh, college senior, you know, probably can say, okay, you know what? Like I can get through this. I don't need you to be a hundred percent today. Cause I can get through it. And that's not even necessarily true in every sense of it, but I feel like relative to a seven-year-old, it, it might be a little bit more true. Where like that seven-year-old, if you're not there plus one to match them where they're at and, and keep them going, like it goes off the walls really quick. Because also guess what? Something that, that coaches need to keep in mind that when, when we're done with that session and the parent comes to uh, pick them up, What's the first thing that they say? How to go. Exactly. How to go. Exactly. Yeah. And that's when okay is the killer of your business. Oh, it was yep. okay. It was okay. Yep. It was okay. That's right. Yeah, that's it. I love that one. That's a good one. Um, okay, our last final question. Uh, what excites you about the future of sports performance? So this is a this is kind of again broad uh, broad broad spectrum question. 
you can take it anywhere your heart desires. Chris Armel, what you got? Uh, I think uh, I wrote that I'm most excited to um, see how sports performance and youth training is becoming part of a like it's an entire care now. So like treating kids almost like college athletes where there's nutrition, there's sports psych almost, there's um, you know training and stuff. So it's becoming more of a holistic healthcare thing and more of just like, oh, go see your coach for sprint training and running. Like there's, be, there's more education on how important it is. You know, I think the last 18 months has showed us that in order to be healthy and have a good immune system, you need to train, you need to eat the right things, you need to do those things so people are more aware of their body now. Um, and are willing to invest in it a little more. Absolutely. And it's never been more accessible. I really feel yeah. that way. It's never been more accessible through, um, you know, obviously the digital initiatives through COVID. Um, but, uh, you know, health literacy and access to health are, are two very different things too. And I think that the gap between those two of understanding that it's important yeah. for you and then getting access to the things that are good for you. I feel like that gap is finally starting to shrink uh, in the United States, which might not be statistically true, but at least the perception from my end as someone in the industry, I feel like it's becoming more and more true. Um, and that's very you know, positive for the outlook of, of especially the kids in the United States. Jason Davidson, what excites you about sports performance and the future of sports performance? that pesky mute button. I got, I got, I got you. <laughs> um, technology with equipment. Um, I remember like 10 units use it being used for Olympic lifts, um, you know, and they have more technology with those even now than, you know, they say they did 10, 15 years ago. And also, uh, you know, like the laser timers. I remember having the brawler, I think what they call laser, laser timers. Now they have other ones that are out. Uh, and also just with um, training, you know, becoming, we're learning more, new learning, learning new things, you know, things that might be come around in the next, you know, five, 10 years that you haven't used. That's always exciting to see new, new things that people come up with. And as far as how to train people. Technology, man, it's, it's, it took a, it took a minute for it to get into sports performance. It's always been there, but probably like sports performance itself, it was only accessible to the top percentage, right? Where like that, you know, 30 years ago, it was if you were an Olympic athlete, if you were a division one athlete, you had access to sports performance. And now we're talking about training seven-year-olds. Now the technology is same concept where was it only accessible to pro athletes, college budgets. Now it's starting to get into the, the facilities like Parisi's where I was on a call today with uh, our champions, North Carolina facility. They're using the Sparta science force platform, right? Like in their, in their facility, like that's phenomenal. Wow. You know, yeah. it's something that's super accessible. So you can have an eight-year-old hit a force plate and, you know, actually get some actual usable data, which, you know, if someone listening is like, why does an eight-year-old need to do it? Well, if you have the technology in your facility and it's easy and, and accessible to do, why not do it? So um, technology, man, becoming more and more advantageous as the years go on. Josh Bushke, what excites you about sports performance in the future? This is kind of like a little unique to our facility, but I'm really excited that we're going to be growing into different programs. Like as far as peewee, like we're hitting like a younger age group and we're getting kids involved in our program sooner. And I'm also kind of excited to incorporate game time and incorporating like that demographic of 
youth that aren't necessarily athletic, but we're going to get them involved through the program and actually provide a service for them. So I guess just growth as a whole for different programs that we're bringing here at our facility is kind of what I'm excited about. It's not necessarily um, sports performance per se, but it's, you know, it's all coaching. It's all training. So. Yeah, man. And it's accessibility. Like we just talked about accessibility for those that want it, those that need it. And then the education behind it, like that's, that's, that's health, right. That's going to be health for these kids going forward. And, and like Tim said, and Paul said, like our ability to connect to kids beyond the X's and O's of sports performance. Like we just get to be that much more important in their life at, a, at an earlier age. I think that's incredible. Tim Cook, what excites you about the future of sports performance? Uh, for me, I'm excited that, well, being that the year round, uh, like sports and practices and stuff is not going away. I'm excited that the sports performance side, I believe, holds the key to like keeping kids healthy for the long term and the long run, um, whether it be baseball players, basketball players, et cetera. Like there's been tons of things out there about ACLs and arm injuries and throwing and stuff. And I believe that us in the sports performance world uh, like holds the key to keeping those kids healthy. So for me, it's like a long term plan to keeping kids being able to move freely and healthy throughout their entire lives coaches are more on board with that right like they're starting to understand that if i want my baseball player to be competing nine plus months of the year i better have a rock solid strength conditioning program to help support that athlete rather than viewing it as competition on the athlete's time right i feel like that's where it was even a decade ago if my athlete's going and training there they're not on the mound they're not at practice they're not here or there but now it's more like, hey, you know what? If we want to be this really great long-term sports program for these kids, we better have a rock-solid strength conditioning athletic development component as well. Is that bias? Is that because you work with a lot of pitchers? Because I see what you're doing with pitchers, and I think it's phenomenal. No, I, uh, I mean, yes, a little bit. A little bit biased. Obviously, I was a baseball guy, so I work with a lot of the baseball kids and stuff. But, like, I, uh, there was a kid today who came through with a ACL injury. And I don't know if you remember it, but there was, I think it was last year, two years ago, there was an article written about how 18 year old basketball players like Zion Williamson, 18 year old basketball players, their ACLs are like equivalent to 35 year old men and stuff. And like, I think that if we just get ahead of it, we can do proper training channels to keep them further away from the injury bug and on the court, on the field, whatever, uh, for a longer period of time. So like, I like that, you know, putting puzzle pieces together to keep somebody healthy and on the field. So they're able to go out there and play and perform at their, you know, maximum potential. It's huge, huge. Jordan Ailes, what excites you about the future of sports performance? Uh, I always get excited to see what the athletes do in their future. I mean, watching kids grow all the way through high school and even then and get to get into college and then transition and just have those habits transfer over to their lifestyle. I think the more kids that we reach out to at a young age, just the healthier that our community grows um, in the future. That's awesome. That's a true coach right there. Like that's exactly it. And that's because you, you know, Jordan, you have the extensive background coaching volleyball. So it's like literally watching your kids grow up, right? Like what's excites you about the future, like watching the kids that you train grow up. That's amazing. Um, 
wait till you get your first invite to like your kid that you coach that like gets married or something like that. And you get like that wedding invite in the mail, because that's going to make you feel real old. You start <laughs> counting like how many gray hair starts sprouting. You're like, really? So-and-so is getting married. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Wild. Paul's smiling. Cause of Paul, I'm sure you've gotten some of those. I just got my first one last year and I was like, wait, what? And I was just shocked, shocked. Or if you start training, now their kids i haven't had that no i haven't had that i don't that's how old i am i don't want that <laughs> i mean i do want that but i don't want that i can wait i guess i can wait on that um i can wait on that but man that's uh we had the we had the longevity talk last week um career longevity we may have to revisit that for one of these podcast episodes because i think that that is is an un it's starting to become a little bit more and i don't want to go too far on this tangent but it's becoming a little bit more um, spoken about in this industry, right? Like a lot of times people are like burnout rates, burnout rates, but no one ever talks about like the actual strategies of longevity or anything like that. They'll say like boundaries, self-care, like we kind of even mentioned today. At some point in this pod, we'll go one step further and talk about what those actual strategies can be and how to implement them. But I got to give the introduction on the last question. Paul David, the keeper of the West Coast, I like all that. Roads, all, I, I was it Route 67. What's the route that runs west in the United States? The Route 67? I don't Not know. Me. All yeah. roads lead to San Diego. Miramar's greatest. Paul David, what excites you about the future of sports performance? You know, kind of like what Jason said about the tech that we have access to now. I think that's pretty exciting. Um, so I won't add to that more, but um, I'll also say that seems like there's a lot more conversations about recovery strategies. And uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I think that's something that gets left out quite a bit, let alone sleep and proper nutrition, right? So that's number one. Number two, I'll say that, and again, I'm pre-C biased, but I find that pre-C has a very good recipe. And it's not like I know what everybody else is, is uh, doing in terms of human performance, but it seems like, I mean, they've been around for what, almost 30 years now. So there's so much brand equity behind it and there's a lot of education behind it. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about sharing that, about uh, having access to all that education and uh, being able to share that with the athletes that we uh, train. And then I was also thinking about this some more. I thought, you know, there's, there's so much talk about getting kids active. And it seems like a lot of the conversations tend to be about, oh, let's get kids off the couch. But there's another demographic of kids that really we should be talking more about. And that's the, the kids that we work with. And those are kids that play sports. These kids are active. And uh, these kids that are active and that play sports, there's a lot more demands on them. And at some point, they're gonna get hurt. And they don't just need to show up for practice, but they, it is absolutely, I think, essential that they come and see us because there's just so much repetition that happens in their sport. And uh, I'm sure everybody else on this call, you guys can, you've, you've probably had conversations like this. Parents come up and they go, oh yeah, we've got practice four five, six days a week, sometimes more. Uh, we play on two teams, travel club and so on like that. Well, when did they get to work on them? Like get to work on being a better athlete. So I feel like Parisi is 
primed is absolutely key to working with all these athletes and, and uh, showing them, listen, you want to get better at your sport, work on you first, become a better athlete. You're allowed so. to be biased. It is the Parisi podcast. That is, that's, that bias is 100% allowed. Um, yeah, I, I fully agree, man. Like it, it is crazy how, and it's not crazy. That's not the right word to say, but we talk a lot about getting kids involved and similar to what Tim said, where we have these kids that are involved with one sport, two sport, three sports, four sports. And we even have five sport athletes in Vermont up until three years ago, um, they made a, a rule that an athlete cannot participate in more than three sports a year because kids were doubling down, um, you know, into the two different track seasons, plus basketball track, plus lacrosse, um, soccer, plus volleyball. I mean, kids were literally playing five sports a year. Um, and I remember training a young lady who was a five sport athlete. And I was like, wait, how many seats? There's only four seasons. What are you talking about? And she's like, no, I play five through the three school seasons. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, and mm -hmm. she was saying, she's like, yeah, I need to train. Like I have to work out. And, and she was like a total one-off anomaly. And these athletes, they do need the physical preparation. They do need, and yes, there is great data showing if you're a multi-sport athlete that your risk of injury is lower but your number of amount of exposure is still high mm -hmm. and it's that much more important that you have the physical readiness to to correlate with that tim was talking about working with baseball athletes and you know i found that baseball softball there's so much repetition i feel like um, a lot of times we get parents that come in with kids that play those sports and they have the highest rate of injuries at a very young age. Physical demands, man, physical yep. demands on a developing body. And that's what makes Parisi special is it's developed for developing bodies. That's, um, you know, some, one of our, our new affiliates asked me that, like, what makes Parisi different? Well, it's designed for the developing kid. Like that's what it is. All the research is around, you know, developing kids from the ages of six to you know, 18 ish, right. Wherever that last physical growth spurt happens. So, um, it's a really good point. Parisi podcast squad, huge. Thank you for coming out to the group chat episode. Number one, um, found on the Parisi podcast stream. Hopefully we're going to start doing these a lot more. I had a great time. Hopefully you guys all had a good time. Does anyone want to plug anything? I'll throw that in there. Anyone want to shout out like, you know, maybe Chris, where can people go get more information on Chris Armel and Valley Health? Uh, we have two Instagrams, uh, Precipe, Speak with School, Valley Health, and you can you can use mine as uh, Carmel WVU. Um, Carmel, baby, Carmel. <laughs> yeah. Jason Davidson, where can people go to get more information on your Parisi, yourself, and your practice? That pesky mute button, man. It's that pesky mute button. Uh, results personal train.org nice josh bushke where are people going to find more information on you and sinking springs just uh search sinking spring for easy speed school we're on instagram facebook we got the web page check us out look for the hair you can't miss it <laughs> tim cook where are people going to find more information on tim cook and what you're doing uh parisi knack instagram it's all one word and then i do stuff on my own uh, timcook.5815 is my Instagram handle. And I do a lot of my stuff on there too. 5815. What's the number mean? <laughs> I 
private personal. <laughs> and we'll leave that off the podcast. We'll um, keep that classified. <laughs> no, it's it's actually uh, my anniversary, so it's really not a big deal. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. It was more fun yeah. when you said it was private. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Paul Sorry David, where, for you. where are people going to find more information on Paul David? You know, they can Google us, Paris C Speed School San Diego. They can send me a message on LinkedIn. Yeah. No, I follow you on LinkedIn. I got to get on LinkedIn. I got to do, I don't even know. I don't even know if I lo- know how to log into LinkedIn. I'm, I got to get on there. If anyone is wondering, Paul David's the true professional on this podcast right now. We're, here, I'm, we're just here. Paul David. Oh, I, every round, Paul, I got to get the introductory going here. I will say this. The coolest thing about Parisi San Diego. So I've been to probably 20 different, probably more than 20 different Parisi locations. Parisi San Diego is a mile away from the Miramar Air Force Base, you know, like right. the, the one that's in Top Gun, right? So you heard like the Top Gun references and things like that when I introduced Paul. And there's nothing cooler than when you're coaching a class or coaching a group of people uh, in San Diego and in the background, an Apache helicopter like lifts up out of the tree line and you're just like, what is happening? So there, there's, <laughs> it's one of the coolest, I don't know, blew my mind. I'm like, what's going on? And they're like, that's Miramar. And I'm like, what? And they're like, you know, like in Top Gun. And I was like, what? wow. It was, uh, yeah, I didn't know idea that your facility was that close. And it was like one of the cooler Parisi backgrounds kind of things that happened at the, at the facility. I'm sure it's old hat for the people that live in San Diego, but for a tourist, it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's cool when there's jets flying overhead. Randomly. Sure it's super loud yeah and your building oh, yeah. shakes and you can't hear anything for minutes yeah it's probably not that cool but it probably looks cool so it does it sets up car alarms which is really cool <laughs> well huge thanks to everyone coming on um and for those listening i hope you enjoyed it uh drop a comment uh five-star review or hit us up in the review page for what you want us to talk about next we'd love to know and, and we'll make it happen Um, To everyone, Tim, Paul, Jordan, Josh, Jason, Chris, who's coming on, huge thank you guys.